This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Support for Husker CuzCast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in the business in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Hey, fellas. It's me again. While you're down there shaving that low fro, don't be screwing around nicking those nuts. It hurts. And that, my friends, is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology so that this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And don't be using that nasty-ass razor that you use on your face that you use on your nuts. That's just disgusting. Come on, man. Hey, Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. No more worries about Fromunda cheese, guys. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Guys, with holidays around the corner, this is a great deal for all of our listeners. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. That's right. For all your friends and family, wife needs to get you a present. You get 20% off. Use the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. Your father-in-law will appreciate you. Welcome to the Husko Cuzcast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. We'll be recapping and reflecting upon the 2019 Husker season tonight. As you know, the Huskers went a very disappointing 5-7 and seven this year. Tyler, was this the most disappointing season of the last five years? I think so. I mean, you know, you look at what happened... At the end of every year we've seen, the last few years, there's been kind of this hope. You know, Riley's first year, there's a lot of close games. After Riley flamed out, we brought Frost in. The way we ended last year with Scott Frost, and then this year, it just feels like, man, when is this team going to turn the corner? Are we going to see it? It's just, it's it's to the point, it's pretty depressing when you look where we're at. And, and i got to be honest, it, it's hard to find a lot of hope right now. But I will persevere. Kool-Aid will start tasting sweet again. It'll be fine. But right now, yeah, thinking about last season is just, it's a depressing feat. Derek, uh, both you and Tyler had Nebraska playing in the conference title uh, in our preseason predictions there. Was this the most disappointing season of the last five years for you? I, I it was definitely up there. I, I at this point I'm I'm confused on which season should be most disappointing. I mean, right, Tyler, you talked about Riley's first season. You could you could argue that was the most disappointing season. How many close losses we had, and the fact that he was brought in to get us over the hump, not rebuild. And we had none. Of, I mean, we expected to do better that year. I, I would say 2017 is probably the most disappointing for me because we all sat here and talked about how great we were going to be with Tanner Lee, and we bought into the media hype then, too. Uh, we finally got Mike Riley's players in here, so by God, we were going to get better. And we got so much worse. Uh, 
th- this year's definitely up there, though. I, it's 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 hard to argue. I I expected much more out of this team than what we got. I think everybody did. Hell, Scott Frost said a six and six season would be a disappointment, and to get less than that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a disappointing season. I will say about the 2015 season, though, uh, yeah, we, at least we went to a bowl game as a 5-7 and seven team. So, you know, we had that going for ourselves. Yeah, it was a disappointment because it wasn't, you know, nine wins what we just fired a coach for and a lot of l- close losses. Uh, I'm, I think that this year is probably the most disappointing of the last five based off of uh, just – you know, the, all the high expectations, you know, that the media gave us and we bought in and, you know, nobody, nobody saw this coming. You know, it was how many wins, you know, was it was it going to be eight, nine or ten? That That's what the conversations were. And haven't we said this the last five years? So, yeah, yeah but here, yeah. here's the difference. Here's the difference. This year, it wasn't just Nebraska local media. It wasn't just us on this podcast. The national media bought this. Like, I mean, that's the difference this year. It wasn't just a local. We had a guy on ESPN call us a dark horse to make the playoffs. And and, and that's that's why this one stings more. Because, like, in the past, you could always chalk it up as, like, well, screw that local media for getting us all hyped up. Well, everyone thought so because this was the easiest schedule we will have in the next half decade. We won five games. I don't even- I don't remember what Vegas had our season win total at the beginning of this year. It was the highest that it had been in previous years. Though. Eight and a half. Uh, it was eight and, it was half. eight and a half. Okay. And, you know, the year before when it was like six, you know, we were like, or six and a half. We we're like, what? They're, that's crazy. But eight and a half, even Vegas was really wrong. So you got to say that has to be a disappointing when even Vegas gets it wrong. And you're not anyway. Yeah, but in close. 2017, when we had Tanner Lee coming up, I think they had us at like eight. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so it's not it's not that far. Off. It's not that wrong. For, I mean, it's not that big of a surprise for them to be that off either. I look, I, I, it was disappointing. I'm not saying it wasn't a disappointing season. I, I just say we've been through so many disappointing seasons. I think this one hurts more right now because it's the most recent. So Nebraska tied for the third worst uh, in the nation final record compared to preseason odds in Vegas. So of all the teams really? in the country, we were tied for third. Um, in that company was one Northwestern. Um, they were also tied there too because obviously they were favored at six and a half. And they had a close. Can I guess one? Yeah, Vegas had a Is Florida State one? I I don't know. I don't I don't think so. Probably not. They won six games. They're going to a bowl game, so they're probably only maybe two games under what they probably oh, win total was anyway. Yeah. Okay. I would say. I don't, I, know. I don't I don't have the complete list in front of me, so um so sorry about that. Hey Derek, uh what was your most disappointing moment of the season? Oh, I, I went back and forth on this. I wanted to say, I, I, you could go the whole stretch from Minnesota to Purdue, uh, to Purdue, Minnesota, Indiana, Purdue. That whole stretch there was so disappointing. Uh, you know, we did, we just didn't show up to Minnesota. Now that that was disappointing, uh, but but I'm gonna stick with Colorado. And the fact that we went on the road and we had all red in that stadium, and the, you know, the fans took over the just just took over the place. Boulder looked like uh, Lincoln 
And we had, it looked like we had the game won, guys. And then all of a sudden, the fourth quarter, we just totally shit the bed. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to stick with probably Colorado being the most disappointing. But there's a lot of them that you could put out there. Yeah. That's for sure. That's true. Tyler, what was your most disappointing moment of the season? Colorado's up there. I got a couple honorable mentions, but I, I'll save them because I don't want to take Justin's. But my number one is the Ohio State game. And, and guys, in retrospect, there is no shame in losing to Ohio State. There's no shame losing a couple touchdowns in Ohio State. But, guys, I, I didn't think we were going to win that Saturday. But I remember waking up with a feeling that I hadn't felt in a long time in Lincoln. And looking back now on this, it, it's, it just seems foolish. But, you know, we, we had that game, you know, South Alabama, whatever. And then... You know, we all of a sudden had Colorado. Derek talked about the collapse. Then we had Northern Illinois look pretty good. Illinois, you know, we made every mistake in the world and still won that game on the road, which we hadn't done. You know, you kind of walked into that game kind of feeling like, okay, yeah, this this is going to be the, the test to see where the Huskers are. And it probably was the test to see where we were, but and that's a mile and a half away from Ohio State. I mean, I just it, it wasn't competitive from the beginning of the game. We never looked like we had a shot in that game. Uh, the the reality check to be so far away from any school is just it, it's hard. It's it, that was a hard pill to swallow. So even looking back on that, to have college game day there, you know, the biggest home loss in college game day history. It's just it, it's it's a it's an embarrassing moment of the season. I just want to counter that with Ohio State did that to everybody. And while it was embarrassing for Nebraska, sure, they also embarrassed Michigan. They, they embarrassed everybody without, with the exception of Penn State this year. And that's why I wouldn't even put that in my top five of disappointing games this season. I, I, and Derek, that's, that's, not, you're not, that's not a horrible take. And I, I'll, I'll give you that. Like, Ohio State was great. And it, like I said, when I started off, there's no shame losing them. There's no shame losing three touchdowns. I just, like, I was pacing in my house leading up to that game. Like, I was so excited. You know, we did the podcast on Tuesday, and, like, I I don't remember how much I had us losing by, but by Saturday, I'm like, man, we could win this game. Like, I think there's a shot. and And I just, it had been... It had been five, six years since I woke up that excited for a Nebraska game where, like, I literally couldn't sit still, and it just it humbled me. I don't think I ever felt that way under Mike Riley. The closest was when we went to Wisconsin. Anyway, don't need to rehash that, but that that's why that's mine. It, it wasn't on the field as much as how it made me feel off. I have two disappointing moments. The first one is uh, at the end of the Iowa game. That is when the realization that Nebraska would not be playing in a bowl game yet again. That's when that sunk in. And that's that had to have been the most disappointing. Uh, my number two disappointing moment is, you know, when I realized that, wow, I should have been betting against Nebraska all year long because they were terrible against the spread. We could have made a lot of money doing that. So that was disappointing. But I kid about that a, li- a little bit. Just a little. But, no, Iowa. Iowa, man. Missing out on a bull game. that Had a little moment. We talked about this last week. There was that moment where we thought that 
th- they were going to pull it out, and it didn't happen. Well, and Tell I us. just want I just want it. You talk about that Iowa game, and we didn't really go. It was still too fresh of a wound to go this much detail. But it wasn't just that we lost. It wasn't just everything you just talked about, Justin. It's how we lost. It, it's the you know we brought Luke McCaffrey in late in the game, got the block in the back. You know, Adrian Martinez makes one of the more boneheaded plays of the, his season, running out of bounds. And then, you know, the, you they throw, complete a long pass. What appears to be, we get it overturned. Then we get a targeting overturned. And then they still complete the long pass again. I mean, it, it's just, it, it could not have been, like, you just sat there and you, like, it's like you sat there and your legs were open and just someone kicked you in the nuts. And you, you know that feeling <laughs> when you get hit in the nuts and you like you're, they go up to your throat and they finally start to come back down? It's like that happened and then someone comes and kicks you in the nuts again. And that it was a cycle, like five straight moments of this pain. Has that happened to you before where you got back-to-back nut shots? Yes, it has. Well, you probably don't need the lawnmower 2.0 when that happens. <laughs> You're going to need no. some padding there, bud. Yeah, it, it just it, – it was. It was just – it was this – and then you, and then the field goal. Then, oh, we called the timeout. And then he makes it again. It's just like seven nut shots all in a row. <laughs> you, you could say that was the perfect ending to a disappointing season – that was all disappointment through the whole season. Like, yeah, you you couldn't expect any less, right? If you're going to be disappointed, you're supposed to be disappointed the whole way. Yeah. Well, here's a category one, that's going to be. A, I, I just got there one more honorable mention out there, and it's a singular moment. It's it's that Indiana game, a game that Noah Vedral and Luke McCaffrey both came into play. Really great games, and our defense could do nothing. But there is a play in that game that is probably bottom two or three of the worst plays of the season for the Huskers and that was the strip fumble by Noah Vedral. Like that that play when looking back on that if he doesn't fumble that because whatever the hell he was trying to do we probably end up winning that game. And when I think back of moments in the game the season of just awful singular plays I think of the flea flicker in Colorado and I think of the strip fumble by Noah Vedral in that game. Those are like the two singular plays that stick out to me as like the singular moments in a game. So I just figured just to twist the knife a little bit more on the season, I'd throw that one out there. And and the last second field goal in that Yeah. Area. Well, I already talked about the nut shots in that. So What about this? What about Maurice Washington? What about his departure from the team uh, early on in the season? Was that disappointing, Derek? I I don't know. Maybe. Uh, he, he was a disappointment as a player as a whole. It's too bad the kid couldn't stay out of trouble. He seemed like he could have been a good athlete. But look, he played in seven games, so he played more than half the season. Only had 298 yards rushing. Uh, he really wasn't getting it done outside of a couple games. Uh I don't. I don't know if you want to call it a huge disappointment because he wasn't really doing as much as we hoped he would to begin with in the se- when the season started anyway. Tyler, oh, I think a hundred percent. You know, you know, we're about to do a segment of most, you know, the worst player, most disappointing player of the season, and he was in my top four. I mean, I said he could have run for a thousand yards this year. 
Yeah, we laughed at you for that. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll get to hey, you, Tyler, Derek. What was we'll your... get to you, Derek. Tyler, what was your best moment of the 2019 Husker season? Yeah, you know, my, mine has to be the Maryland game. You know, through and through, you, know, you look at that game, we had just come off the heels of the, you know, Wisconsin game, which I think exceeded all of our expectations. And of the Scott Frost regime, there had not been a more dominant game. You know, from beginning to end, we looked completely dominant. Um, Adrian Martinez played a really nice game. You know, he ran the ball for 10 carries for 94 yards. He looked decisive. Dedrick Mills overcame a case of the shits and ran the ball really nicely. And then you had the end of the game where Luke McCaffrey finished it off. I think started, really, really started the hype, which we're going to ride into the offseason, the way he finished that game. Um, looking so good running the ball. But no, I mean, that was the easily the most impressive the Huskers have looked. I was trying to go back to find the game that topped it. And I'll be honest, guys. I got to about six years back, and I just stopped. Like, it was the most impressive that I remember a Nebraska team looking in quite some time. Derek, what was your best moment of the 2019 Husker season? Uh, I'll agree with the Maryland to an extent. Uh, and the thing that drives me nuts with that one is everyone says, well, yeah, but Maryland just checked out. That's why you kicked their ass so bad. But then they turn around, go on the road to Michigan State, and they're up 16-13 to 13 going into the fourth quarter. That's not a team that checked out to me. I mean, I, I don't know. I think it was a, it was a very complete game. I, I, I would actually go maybe the Iowa game just because you scored – the, the the you tie for the most points that were scored against that great Iowa defense, and the in our defense showed up with the exception of the one quarter plus the last drive uh, for th- almost three three and a half quarters of that game. That defense looked for real, and I, and I it was impressive to me. I it finally gave me some hope that maybe the defense was going to turn a corner at least. Well, our offense only scored seventeen points against that defense. Just getting you on a technicality there. but We still score as many points as anybody else did. Yeah, total. Uh, for me, my best moment, uh, you know, Maryland's the easy answer there. I'm going to go, I'm going to try something different here. I'm going to go with the comeback victory at uh, against Illinois. Going on the road, uh, getting the Scott Frost first road victory. That was pretty cool. He got the monkey off his back, put up a lot of yards, showed some resolve there by battling back. Uh, I th- I thought that was a good moment in retrospect because you know as it turns out the Illinois team they they weren't too shitty this year you know with the upset win against Wisconsin and Lovey Smith gets them to a bowl game this year so that ended up being uh, a little bit of a big more big deal than what it was at the time so any other uh, best moments best moments is hard. I mean, we could have talked about disappointing moments for probably an hour, but the best moments, we, we had to reach deep. I, I, I think it's hard to leave Northern Illinois out of there, especially with as much adversity as there was with all the block kicks that went both ways. And uh, But you played a solid game offensively and defensively. You know, it was, a, it was a good game. It was against a Mac school, sure, but that Mac school might have beat Maryland too. So, yeah. Uh, let's talk about some players or position groups that exceeded your expectations headed into the season. Derek. Oh, 
This is a tough one. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the D line though. Like I, I expect him to be average to good, and our sack leader uh, Khalil Davis had eight and a half sacks. Looked for. I mean, I look the guy did what he had to do, and he wasn't even the good Davis. I mean, Carlos Davis was supposed to be the good Davis, and so for him to surprise me that much, I think was was huge. Uh, Darian Daniels, I expected him to be okay, but I mean that guy really was a force to to reckon with on that defensive line. So I, I'm gonna stick with the defensive line because I wasn't quite as high on him, near as high on him as Tyler was. Tyler, well, you know my my that that almost goes the opposite with me a little bit. They they were good, really big bright spot of this team. Um, I you know, but I did have those high expectations. You know, I, I again, I'm going to take the layup here. I feel I'm going to go with Wandell Robinson. You know, we we all thought this kid was going to be good. I I don't think anyone saw him putting up a thousand all-purpose yards in ten games. You know, 793 yards from scrimmage. You know, being our third leading rusher and our second leading pass catcher. Um, I mean, he he did it all. I mean, the guy, I I think ended the season arguably as our best offensive weapon um you know and 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 i know there's been some debate about that but you know he's definitely in that category so i i think i i thought he was gonna play i thought he was gonna be good you know i don't think he quite lived up to the rondell Moore expectations that some people had but he was damn close he was wandale robinson he was as far as individual performances go, he's he definitely takes the cake there. Uh, I'm going to go with the secondary. We kind of thought the secondary was going to be pretty good this year, but I didn't realize that they were going to be the strength of this defense, and they really were. Lamar Jackson, he was solid. Uh, uh, DiCaprio Boodle, he looked a lot better at safety. Cam Taylor Britt, I mean, he was he was good. I mean, we. Secondary, that was a bright spot on that defense. Uh, the, you know, you talked about the defensive line, Derek. Yeah, I can see that that was probably a number two for me. Uh, linebackers aren't going to be in there, but good thing, you know, the secondary and defensive line. That's that's probably the position groups that exceeded any expectations for me. I, I I wouldn't leave all the linebackers. I would say uh, Garrett Nelson was pretty impressive for being a true freshman. I would say Colin Miller had a pretty decent year. He did. I don't know if it was the, it wasn't the whole season, but I, I think those two probably exceeded my expectations. But well, uh, okay. The, but I would say that some of the other linebackers maybe not so much. Go ahead, Tyler. I I mean. I, I don't agree with the linebackers, Derek. I think Colin Miller was about what you expected. Garrett Nelson is a really cool story. I love the kid's future. I think he's going to be really good, but I, I think he was a... Colin, Mill- Colin Miller is a third-leading tackler on our team. Yeah, I, I don't know what you expected from a starting middle backer. <laughs> I mean... It's about what I expected. Well, exactly. You thought you'd be good. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't think... Okay, I didn't know. I didn't even know if he would even play much. Oh, honestly, I, I mean, I, I, I think Garrett Nelson is a kid that I love a lot about him, and I love a lot of the things I see on the field. Unless you see anything that requires any technique, 
which he is at least a year away from, if not again, two years. It's true freshman. I get it. Get him some time. You're it. right. I mean, you're right. I, I, I get. Look, he, he's I, would say, I would say as a true freshman, he exceeded my expectations. Yeah, that, he looked better than Dedrick Young did his freshman year. I, I, mean, I was really impressed as much as he played. Truthfully, I wasn't quite sure how much he would play, and he he really took off. And he's he's going to be a huge force for us. Hundred uh, percent. I think he's a, he's sure. the motor of this defense yeah, I think right now. You're, I think. you're two years away from that guy being. I agree with Derek. Like two years away from him being. You know, an all-American type candidate. Um, I just think he needs to learn to play in a system a little bit. And this year, he yeah. was a really right. far away from that. But, but I'm with Justin. Like I expect to see this guy maybe in four games. So I say that I would say that ex- exceeded my expectations for him. Okay. okay, that's fair. I mean, if you just if you count, I mean, but I think well, let's get in the most disappointing parts. <laughs> There's a lot more candidates here. Uh, which players or position groups disappointed you the most this year, Tyler? Mine was linebackers. I mean, I think that linebacking core as a whole. I mean, Muhammad Barry, I thought, played pretty good, but not near what we thought expectations of him would be. I thought Will Honus and Colin Miller were about what you expected, didn't take this, uh, uh, you know, any steps forward. And then the outside backer position as a whole was just terrible this year. You know, Alex Davis, I mean, we, we had a group text, and I sent this out so many times. I think he leads the country in missed tackles. I mean, that guy couldn't sack anyone in open field. And I don't want to bash on one player, but he was terrible. Tyron Ferguson, you know, he was one of the original black shirts. If you think about back to Scott Frost's first year, doesn't even make it through the season. You know, JoJo yeah. Doman, uh, you know, uh, Garrett Nelson, two guys that showed a lot of flashes, but really poor discipline in the position. And then Caleb Tanner, a guy who you kind of thought year two was going to take this giant step forward, really didn't. A very much like Derek mentioned, Dedrick Young reminded me of a guy freshman year showed a lot of promise. Sophomore year just didn't take a step forward. So we'll see what he does his junior year. But that linebacking position group was just was. It was such a disappointment how bad they were. Derek, what position, group, or players uh, disappointed you the most this year? Well, there's a lot of them, but look, I, I don't, I don't, I, I disagree with Todd. I don't think the linebackers as a whole was that disappointing. Alex Davis was the biggest disappointment as far as linebackers went. That that guy, I honestly thought he was going to take a huge step forward. I thought, I, I, matter of fact, the season began, I had this guy as my defensive MVP because I thought he was going to take that big of a jump. Yeah, shame on me. That dumbass couldn't make a tackle if it was a tackling dummy. I'll tell you, my 1,000 yards from um, Reese Washington doesn't look so bad now, does it? Yeah, it still does. All right. Uh, you know, but, I, but, I, but I'm going to go a couple different positions here, really. I I'm going to say all the wide receivers outside of J.D. Spielman and Wondell Robinson were a complete disappointment. Because we thought we had seven, eight guys that could catch a ball. Turns out we only had two. Mm-hmm. And probably the one slight bigger disappointment than that one was kickers. Jesus Christ, was they kickers. Yeah. That was the biggest disappointment this whole fucking season. Yeah. yeah. Part of my language. That was up there for me. That was up. That was my number three. Hey, you know, I want to talk about the wide receivers for a second. You know, at the uh, 
headed into the year, you know, we kind of knew that we weren't that deep. But Troy Walters, you know, before the season, one of his uh, pressers, he said that he had seven or eight guys that could play wide receiver. And so it was like, where are these seven or eight guys coming? We tried to break down who those seven or eight guys were. And we put spent too much money on it because he wasn't seven or eight guys deep at wide receiver. That was really bad. The development there was really piss poor. That kind of leads to one of my biggest disappointments. Uh, and it's not a position group here, but it's the coaching staff. I thought the coaching staff, uh, I thought they did a poor job developing players this year, getting them game ready in a lot of situations. The play calling, the game plan, the play calling was just absolutely atrocious for most of the year. You know, the play calling looks good when you go up against Northern Illinois or Maryland, you know, those lesser teams. But when it comes to big boy football, it we just weren't there. And that was one of the most bis, uh, most the biggest disappointments to me. Uh, and, you know, all the excuses why they weren't doing good. You know, Scott Frost and his pressers continually to continuing to blame the players on what he inherited week in, week out. That, that just really got old. That was the biggest disappointment to me. Any others, guys? You guys are... Well, there's a lot of others. I think that's a poor take. He did inherit those players. I mean, I don't know what uh, else but, you want but to after, say. After the, after the second year, you know, after the Iowa game, he says... He still inherited half that team. Like, yeah, half, over half that team At what point does it become your team? Riley's players. It becomes your team when at least three-quarters of the players are uh, your guys. okay, okay. I get it. So Matt Rule can't say that, you know, he went to a Big 12 championship... Because some of those hey, guys, were why his. not? We could sit here and say Bo Pelini was a shitty coach because the only time he was good is when he inherited my uh, Bill Callahan's players. Uh, okay, all right. And don't tell me you haven't said that a thousand times. Never. Lies, all lies. <laughs> all right. What else was disappointing to you, Derek? Oh, I don't know. God. The, the offensive line was disappointing to me, especially to start the season. They did progress and get a lot better throughout the season. However, oh, man, it was a tough it was a tough job for Cam Jurgens. But, guy, he started off the season so terribly. I mean, we talked about how, how bad we should probably bench this guy because he couldn't make a snap. Yeah. High uh, snaps. You know, I, it, it did get better throughout the season, but it was very disappointing, to start, at least to start the season. Tyler, what else? No, I mean, I think, I mean, guys, I don't want to just bash on this. This whole team was disappointing. And, and we could go position, but my number two was tight ends. You know, that was a position group I thought had a shot to maybe get to 1,000 yards. It didn't. Adrian Martinez could be definitely in that category. Um, you know, everyone expected him to maybe be a Heisman finalist. Well, I don't, I'm not as quite as... Running the, backs. Running backs. I mean, yeah, I mean, you could go... There, there was a lot of disappointment. Special teams as a whole. I mean, God, you see our kick returns this year. I mean, that was just it was a. Tro- I mean, there was just a lot you could point towards. I mean, well, this year. Hey, let let me ask you guys this though: What happened with kick returns? Because for the first seven or eight games, our kick return coverage looked really good, and then all of a sudden, Wisconsin returned a kick return, and all of a sudden, we got blue balls and couldn't kick a ball. <laughs> And I, it, it amazes me. Like, every time we kicked it deep, they return it. But we had good coverage through most of the first half of the season. So what happened? I I don't know. Coaching, man. Coaching. I don't understand what happened in the last five games that 
All of a sudden, we have to rely on a pooch kick to try and make coverage work again. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, you're talking about Adrian Martinez. And before the season started, remember, we talked about one of the uh, main reasons uh, that we would have, like, hope for the season. You know, the season depended on one player. And we picked Adrian Martinez. You know, the season kind of depended, was kind of put on his shoulders for a good season, I guess. And, uh, you know, that was disappointing. You know, just he did not live up to his freshman year, which was, you know, shoot. It happens, I guess. Well, I mean, according to you, that's all on play calling, I'm pretty sure. Well, play calling was pretty bad, guys. I don't know if you can have it both ways. I I don't know if you could say well the play calling was terrible, but this player didn't exceed, didn't succeed. Like, it was it the play calling, or did he just not do it, what he was it, supposed it to be, be doing? Both. It can be both. Not really. It doesn't really make sense for it to be both. Like, if he's not doing what he's doing, the play calling was probably fine. Well, I don't think it's that simple. There, I mean, it's. Well, I don't think it's so simple to blame everything on the quarterback like you do either. Uh, as, but... Hey, my number one was the coaching man. Coaching was uh, my know. number one. I know. Unfortunately, uh, the rest of the listeners can't read all my texts and see how much you blame the quarterbacks either. Yeah. Hey, Derek, did you see progress from last year? Absolutely. Uh, most of it, I would say, was probably on defense more than offense. Uh, look, I, I kind of went back a little further than just last year. I, I kind of looked to see statistically where we were since we've joined a Big Ten, really. Uh, but just over the last five years, our points allowed was the second best we've had in the last five years. So defensively, that was a big step forward. Uh, the point scored was the third best, so it was about average over the last five years. Our running was the second best over the last five years, which the, la- the best was last year. Uh Passing was atrocious, but you, there, here's the one that really surprised me, guys. Pass allowed, the, the pass yards allowed. You realize there was only one season since we've joined a Big Ten where we allowed less yards than we did this year. Wow, and that was in 2012. Okay, I thought that was pretty impressive. Like that was a big step forward for this defense. They gave up 415 yards less passing this year than they did last year. That's a pretty big jump. Uh, turnover margin. This was the best turnover margin we've had since uh, Mike Riley had plus five in 2016. Other than that, we've been negative on, on turnover margin every year since we've been in the Big Ten. So that's a big step forward, I think. Uh, penalties. This was the best year we've had penalty-wise since joining the Big Ten by a big margin. We had... 62 penalties or 61 penalties for 518 yards. The next best year we had was 2014. We had 75 penalties for 655 yards. That's a big jump. Uh, takeaways, I thought were a little bit bigger. We had a good year with that. That's the most most we've had in the last five years. We had the most get, uh, takeaways. Uh, th- there was a lot of things that we, we took a step forward on this year, but it just wasn't enough. Tyler, did you see progress this year? Well, I mean, I think I, – I don't know. I'm not going to go as far as Derek. I, here's the thing. I think if you're going to measure progress this season, you're going to measure it on a ruler. 
it, it, we either took centimeters forward or centimeters back. I mean, it was not a big swing either way. Um, but it, it was uh, it was very small progress or small regression, no matter how you want to look at it. It, it, it. But the problem was, is you expected major progression in year two. Because Scott Frost did it in uh, UCF. Mike Riley did it here. I mean, that's the problem is we didn't see it. So I don't know if this team's better or worse, but I don't think it was major different. All right. So when I measured progress this year, I kind of looked at it in terms of the common opponents that we had in 2018 and 2019. So Colorado, uh, in 2018-2019, we both lost within a touchdown. A five-point difference in 2018 and an overtime loss by three in 2019. That's about the same, right? Purdue, we lost by two touchdowns in 2018, and you know we lost a close one by four. So that's a little bit of improvement. Wisconsin, we lost by two scores each year. Uh, we had generated a lot more offense in 2019, but there weren't any points to back it up. Northwestern, we lost in overtime last year but and won by a field goal at the end of the game this year. That's a little bit of progress. Ohio State, it was close last year with, within five, got blown out bad this year. I mean, we didn't even belong in the same field there. Uh, Illinois, a team that we killed last year, absolutely killed. We struggled, had to come from behind to win that game. Uh, Iowa, you know, it's the same result both years, you know, losing, losing close ones at the end. Uh, Minnesota was the worst one, though. We killed Minnesota last year and got destroyed this year. So when I look at it in terms of uh, common opponents, I don't know if there's as much progress there. I mean, it's, it's marginal. Uh, it's it's really marginal, and that's that's disappointing. So I can't say that there was a lot of progress this year. Thoughts? Well, I don't think anybody's saying there's a lot of progress. I, I think there was some progress. It just wasn't enough progress. Yeah. I, well, and, and, and here's but, the— But I, th- I think the defense did take a big step forward. Yeah. I mean, I know there were some games we really bitched about the defense, but overall throughout the year, I think they did take a pretty big step forward. Unfortunately, the offense did not. And I think that's what killed us. And unfortunately, our special teams are still a dumpster fire as much as it was last year. Yeah. Well, I mean, the best way I would say is is the defense took a, a medium step forward. The the offense took a you know a big step back. I, you know, not giant, but they took a pretty big step back. I think where this team got you know probably a little bit better is in situational and discipline. You know, you Derek, you hit on the penalties, how we were so much better there. You know, Justin, you want to bash on the coaching all the time, but you know, there there was some moments in this season where we, we saw some progress. Um, in situational football, third down conversions being one of them. But you know, it, it just you could tell this team, specifically on offense, is lacking talent. Yeah. And and that's where this honestly is where i'm at on this team is that if scott frost is wanting this offense to buzz like it did it's really hard when you're lining up three to four guys on offense that are good And, and and that's and that's on coaching that's on recruiting that's on years of um you know a lot of 
uh, uncertainty and inconsistency at coaching and getting these guys better at techniques, um, roster attrition, all these things have really built into where we are today. Um, and Frost owns, and Justin, you kind of hit on this. Frost owns some of that. He, and that this coaching staff definitely owns a lot of this. Um, but it is where we are, and that's kind of how this season went for us. So we had reached out to Adam McClintock at CFB Professor on Twitter and asked him what the line would have been for the 2019 Huskers versus the Husker teams going back to 2015. This is what his model shows. Now, this is uh, not his opinion by any means. This is just what the numbers show according to his matrix. The 2019 team would have gotten 3.1 points against the 2018 team. The 2019 team would have been 13-point favorites against the 2017 team. The 2019 team... Uh, would have been 1.2 point dogs against the 2016 team. And the 2019 team would have been slight favorites, 0.2 over the 2015 team. So what does that mean? Uh, He basically ranks the last five Husker teams in this order. Uh, Number one is the 2018 team, the 2016 team, the 2019 team, 2015 team, and the 2017 team. Tyler, do you agree with what his numbers show. I I don't. Um, I think the 2016 team is probably the best of the five. Um, you know, but, you know, outside of that, I think you look at the 2015, 27, uh, 2018, and 2019, probably all really close to that third team or, you know, the second team. So I, I and, but yeah, I think that 2016 team was probably the best of the last five years. I mean, they won nine games. I know a lot of people will crap on the schedule and how close a lot of those games were, but guys, don't forget this was supposed to be that layup schedule this year, and we right. didn't do the nine wins. So yeah, I, I would say that was probably the best team we had. Derek, what do you, what do you think? No, I, I can agree with him. I, I can see where he's coming from as far as numbers wise goes. Uh, if you, if you're looking at just straight up win total. Then yeah, I mean, you're, then if that's the case, then 2016 should probably be ahead, be behind, or should be probably 2016 and probably 2015, and you know what, whatever, however you want to look at it. But uh, I have no problems what what order he has it in. Uh, I'm a little surprised that we would be 13. Po- well, no, I'm not really surprised by any of it, really, except for maybe the. <laughs> Point two favorites over the 2015 team just because of how close the games were but you look at who we lost to in that year with like BYU and some of the games we lost it was kind of really disappointing uh, I, I don't know I I don't, I don't have a lot to offer on this conversation to be honest with you okay. like we've had one winning season over the last five years I don't think there's really much to argue about who's better and who's worse <laughs> that's fair uh, hey, headed into the offseason, guys, what storylines are you excited about the most? If we're looking for excitement, where do we look for that excitement? Derek? Oh, recruiting, absolutely. We got some big-time recruits like uh, Omar Manning, a Juco six-foot-four wide receiver that's getting, has like five crystal balls to come to Nebraska, which is 100% of the crystal balls I've put out there. He's a four-star, which you know is that's an, like, very difficult for a Juco player to get. Uh, there's another linebacker. I, I'm going to forget his name. Tyler probably knows better than I do. Caden Johnson, maybe, I think is his name. 
He's another four-star guy that you really hope you can get, and he's got a lot of crystal balls coming in Nebraska. Uh, there's a lot of four-star guys still out there that are kind of starting to swing towards Nebraska's way. So uh, recruiting right now, that's going to be a big deal. And the, the staff's out there hunting with players and doing whatever they got to do to try and fit, get all these guys to love them. And I, I, I find it... I find it intriguing to see how, how many of these guys are actually going to get. Tanner, what storylines are you excited for? Well, you know, Derek kind of took my number one. I think the recruiting trail is always interesting this time of year. You know, he kind of hit on a couple of the guys I would definitely have focused on. Um, you know, a couple other guys. Um, it's, it's really interesting. We're going really heavily under the JUCO, uh, JUCO banner this year. But Julius Coates, Jordan Riley, or a couple uh, JUCO defensive linemen that we're making big pushes at, which I find is still interesting. I still think that's a position group of strength and depth, um, but we're still going big on them. Um, I'm going to butcher this name, but uh, Ativa Maga, Maga is an uh, inside linebacker JUCO, one of the top inside linebacker JUCOs in the country. Um, but I, yeah, recruiting's up there. I know what Justin's going to say. Um, so, so what I'm going to generally say is I, I'm really interested. I don't know. I, I don't want to butcher what you're you're going to say, Justin. So, I'll just pass it over to you because I was going to say recruiting. All right. Well, let me ask you this, Tanner. Sticking on recruiting and talking about the JUCOs, do you really like the idea of going for JUCOs given the recent track record? I do. Here's why. I went back and forth on this one. I think when you look at what's out there, you look at who – go go look at Rivals 250. You know, go look at the top 24-7. Now, there's guys decommitting with all these coaching changes and maybe some of these top prospects, but we've been critical of the coaching staff when they bring in these low three-star guys. And, yes, some of them are going to pan out. Some won't. More, more won't than will. Um, you know, I think there would be something really exciting – or unique if we could bring in the best juco class in the country and when you look at this roster this season how young they were um do we need to get better pop for the juco players sure but you look at the guy a guy like will honus who i'm not no no one's gonna award him an all-american or big 10 player but he was a decent contributor um you know if we can bring in seven eight juco's this class and we can get two or three contributors out of that. I, I think that's a, a something we really need because, you know, we'll we'll be honest. I mean, when I when I look at this team going into next year, there there is not. We need more contributors. We need more guys to step up, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. Derek, what do you think about recruiting JUCOs now? I, I still don't like it. I, I said that before. I'm not huge on it. Uh, so I think it's okay for a few, especially like like I mentioned, Omar Manning. You get if you can get a big bodied receiver who can contribute right away. That's, that's I think that's a big deal because that's something that's something that we lacked this year. We lacked a big bodied receiver that that had enough speed to actually do anything, and I, I think that hurt our passing a lot. And I think that's a lot of why our passing struggled. Uh, I, at the end of the day, I think they're doing it out of necessity. I think they're seeing how impatient people are getting, so they're trying to do what they can to improve right away. And I don't know that that's always the best route, but 
they got to do something to start winning games, I guess. But don't you think it's almost this year you got to give him a pass for doing it just because you know that uh, his first recruiting class just went to shit. I mean, it was a, a complete disaster. So, you know, he's kind of a recruiting class behind. So going out there and getting junior college guys this year isn't the worst thing out there. It, it really well, isn't and, at that time. And, and I'm going to piggyback off that, Justin. It's not just his first recruiting class. It was Riley's last sure. recruiting class. Sure, both. Like, the attrition we saw between both of those classes is is devastating. So, yes, we need to make up ground. We need to get... Again, I'm not looking for an all. I'm not looking for a, a Levante David. It'd be great if we could find one, but man, if we could add a little bit more depth to the wide receiver room, and you know, maybe that linebacker core bring in another capable body instead of you know rolling the dice that one of these stud freshmen we brought in last year are ready to contribute next year. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not disappointed with these decisions. Right. Uh, <clears throat> the storyline that I'm most excited about that uh, you alluded to, Tyler, is you know the hope for a true quarterback competition headed into the spring. Uh, I've been pretty adamant on this uh, podcast talking about Adrian Martinez just was not the same player. Everybody can agree he's not the same player as last year. And there was a lot of what ifs, you know, playing the the backup, you know, whether it's Luke McCaffrey or Noah Vedral in certain situations. Uh, I just really hope that, uh, that there's an actual quarterback competition. And if Adrian Martinez, if he emerges from a true quarterback competition as the starter, then so be it. But I, th- I think I-, I would feel better knowing that there would be a true quarterback uh, competition. You know, I, I-, I want to know, that uh, Noah Vedral or Luke McCaffrey has a legit shot at winning that starting position because what 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 are they doing here if they don't feel that uh, they don't have a legitimate shot? You know, what if it's another transfer thing in the fall where you know, say Luke McCaffrey, he feels that he should be the guy and he cuts bait there, you know, a week before. We already saw what happens uh, when that you know with Tristan Jebia. I don't want to see something like that happen again, ultimately, you know? I don't know. It, am I, what do you guys think of that? Quarterback competition, are you for it, against it? Not. I think you always have to be for the quarterback competition because uh, all it does is improve everybody across the board. Uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not totally against what you're saying, Justin. Uh, as far as transfer goes, I... Look, Noah Vedra, I can't imagine him going anywhere. He loves Scott Frost, loves the coaching staff. I think he loves Nebraska. I don't think he's going to try and go anywhere. Uh, McCaffrey, that would be a little more concerning. However, I think as long as you get him, he knew what he was getting into when he when he signed on. I think as long as you can get him involved, maybe throw him at wide receiver once in a while, maybe bring him in for a couple series or two. If he if he doesn't win the, the competition, uh, I, I don't think you have to worry too much about him transferring. But but who knows? I mean, well, I th- the, the difference between him and Jebbia is he's athletic enough; he can do other things than play quarterback. I think there's a difference between sitting behind a guy and waiting uh, when you know that you're not the guy. I mean, if you know that the starter is the man, the actual starter. But I think. 
if you're suiting up and you know you think that you should be the starter, that you're better than that that guy, I think that's where you know people kind of get turned off a little bit. You know, if if he feels that way, and we saw See, uh, saw everything so, that he could do. Go ahead, Tony. So here, I, I here's where I'm going to differ with you. I should there be a quarterback competition? Sure, but but here's where I think I think quarterbacks a unique position group where you want to get your starter first team snaps you know and and what what if if you want to go and say hey we're going to go into the spring and we're going to we're going to look and we're going to evaluate and if if we start seeing you know Noah Vedral throwing better and passing and we're going to start looking at this then I'm okay turning it to a true competition but but here is what I don't want to see. I don't want to see them giving an excess number of reps to a quarterback. I want them to make a decision as quickly as possible to get the reps to the starter. And, and if and if it's it and that and this means that you need to make a decision by the end of spring if this is a true quarterback con- competition or not. Because going into the fall, if Adrian's the guy or if Noah's the guy or Luke's the guy, you need to be giving them 65-70% of first team snaps. And, and and that's where I'm at on that. Like, so it yeah, if you want to go in the spring and you want to say, I'm making these numbers up because I don't know, but you want to say last year in the spring, Luke and Noah got 40% of the first team snaps between the two of them. If you want to bump that number to 45 or 50%, it kind of even it out a little bit more. I'm good with that. And if they're outperforming Adrian, then a hundred percent. I want to see the best quarterback on the field. Um, and it is a tighter race than it was last year. There's no way to deny it. But like this, like there's people out there saying, you got to leave it wide open. And, and I don't agree with that. I, I just think that that is a mistake when you have Adrian Martinez, who as a freshman was a All-American type caliber player. And this year, while he took a step back, was still one of... 21 quarterbacks in Big Ten history to put up the numbers that he has put up. So you you can say that he had a garbage year, but he is one of five quarterbacks in Big Ten history to do the numbers that he has done in back-to-back years. Like, I mean, the guy, he, he is still a really good player, contrary to what a lot of people want to say. So tell well, I, I also kind of wonder what health was, was with him, too, because... I don't think his knee ever healed after that Northwestern game. I mean, he was still wearing a knee brace in Iowa. But Derek, so it was I, passing. I mean, it was passing a lot. I mean, his his problem was throwing the ball. Yeah. You're right, but but your knee can affect throwing the ball pretty bad. Yeah. So I mean, if if his knee wasn't 100, percent I'd like to see what he could do. Bet we we'll get back to 100 percent again. I I don't know. But but Justin, you're right. I think there does need to be some competition. You need to you need to get something out there because if he's going to get comfortable in that position, then he's going to become Taylor Martinez, who was a good quarterback, yes, but he knew he wasn't going anywhere because there was nobody that was going to take his spot. Well, so, so so Justin, you want to see it wide open? I'm going to ask you a question. So Adrian Martinez, yeah. in your opinion, took this giant step back. I'm not going to say that you feel he was a garbage quarterback, but I think that would probably be a fair assessment of what you feel of him. So, but my question is, is like, why do you think he took such a far step back? 
I, I don't know. That that's that is a great question. I, I don't know why he he took a step back. Uh, okay, let me ask you this. Let me ask this. Do you think his freshman year was a mirage, and he just wasn't that guy? Do you think he was not that guy his freshman year, and the media overhyped him, or do you think that whether it be the talent around him, or the play calling, or whatever it was, like what, like why do you? I mean, like what? Obviously, he didn't perform the same, but why do you think that is? Is he just not that good? Was he never that good? Well, you know what? Maybe that maybe that was a thing. Maybe he was surrounded by two great receivers and a great running back that, uh, you know, artificially made him great. But you know what? I'm not gonna. No, that's that's bullshit. He didn't artificially make him great because he was a damn good freshman quarterback, true freshman quarterback. He really was. And you well, know, was it just maybe a sophomore slump? Yeah, it, it maybe, but it was a long sophomore slump. But it, it was a sophomore though. season. Yeah, I mean, I, I know, I know. That's usually what a sophomore but, slump. So is let, me, let me put it this season. way, guys. I mean, let me put it this way: if if Adrian Martinez would have had the, this year his a 2019 season in his true freshman year, we would be completely open for a new quarterback. There would be no clamoring for him to come back. It's everything that he did in 2018 that gives him the benefit of the doubt because we saw what he was capable of doing. But if he had this year, you can say, talk about all the numbers that he did this year all you want. but Which is all the more reason why you should think that he could get back to what he did in his freshman year. Well, I, but what if he doesn't? What if he has the yips? Who is that, uh, who is that quarterback with the yips? He could have had the yeah, was that Joel Stavi from Wisconsin? Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I, I think I mean I, he needs to improve his accuracy. Like I mean that that is I think the biggest thing is is what and I think the coaches should be able to evaluate that and the competition in seven on seven drills. I think there's no question what if you're going to debate him on running ability alone. You know what Luke McCaffrey can bring you. You know what Adrian Martinez can bring you. They're both really good runners. Luke is faster. He, he is a more dynamic runner than Adrian Martinez will ever be. I, I think Luke McCaffrey also has really good arm strength. I think he needs another year or two to really learn to play the quarterback position. Okay, Noah Vedral, I think, is a really, really good backup. I do not think we are going to win nine games with Noah Vedral as a starting quarterback. I'll agree. I think it's a two-quarterback race in my eyes. I, th- I think Vedral's playing and, for backup. And so, so, so to my opinion is, the question is at that quarterback is, do you throw Luke McCaffrey out there and say, you know what, we're not playing for this year. We're playing to get our future in order. Because I tell you what, Luke McCaffrey, I like him. I think he'll make plays. I think he'll make some really cool throws. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to throw turnovers because he is not – I don't think he's there from a quarterback stance yet. And and not and not that Adrian doesn't, but I think that you're going to see more turnovers from Luke that could – with our defense could cause this game. So that's where I'm at right now. If you're playing well, Luke Well, I think McCaffrey, that's why you've seen Luke McCaffrey running the ball probably eight plays out of ten. Like, yeah. He threw the ball some, but it was more we're going to run the option with him. Hey, and, and, we're going really long, guys. We got to move along. We got a whole off season to talk about the quarterback because this right. this conversation will not go away. 
But we got to take a quick break right now to hear from another great podcast on the Big Heads Media Network. Hey there. Are you a college football fan? Well, I'm Andre Cherry, and on my show, The Cherry Picking Podcast, I dive deep into the world of college football during each week of the season. For the past nine seasons, fans have come to my site, cherrypickingsports.com, to hear my college football analysis and game-winning predictions for each week of the season. The Cherry Picking Podcast is presented by the Big Heads Media Podcast Network and can also be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure you click the subscribe button today. And we're back. The playoff committee announced their top four teams Sunday afternoon. Uh, number one, LSU, two, Ohio State, three, Clemson, four, Oklahoma. Not a lot of drama there, maybe between one or two. But, Derek, do you think the committee got it right? Uh, I mean, they obviously got the four teams right. There wasn't much of a question there. Uh, I've I seen where they were apparently having some struggles with who to put at number four between Georgia and Oklahoma which anybody who was pushing for Georgia to be the number four spot needs to be kicked off the committee because they got hammered by LSU, and they they have no business being in that playoff over Oklahoma. But ultimately, they got it right. They picked Oklahoma. Uh, Ohio State getting knocked out of that number one spot I thought was the biggest shaft job I've seen in a long time. Uh, I get it. LSU destroyed Georgia, but I don't think Georgia's as good of a team as everyone thought they were to begin with. Uh, and, and I get that uh, Ohio State struggled a little bit in the first half against Wisconsin. And I heard uh, Jonathan Vilma come out and talk about how this is why Ohio State should drop because, by God, they don't have to stop Jonathan Taylor. And he had 100 yards rushing in the first half. Well, go talk to all the other 12 teams that, that faced uh, Jonathan Taylor and ask them why they didn't hold him to under 100 yards. Because that's a little harder to do than it is to say. It's a little easier to say that to do than it is to actually do it. Uh, at the end of the day, they still won by what two touchdowns? They did what they needed to do. I think I think Wisconsin's a better team than Georgia personally, and I, I think that uh, Ohio State's resume matches up with the LSU's. And if you were going to put them in number one spot last week, you should have left them there this week. Tyler, do you agree? Did the committee get it right? Man, I don't know. I'll tell you what. They got the four teams right, no doubt about it. I think the debate between LSU and Ohio State's a really damn good one. Ohio State, the way they ended the year um, with victories against Penn State, uh, Michigan in a dominant fashion, and beating Wisconsin for the second time is really impressive. But Georgia, uh, LSU is impressive too. They beat Georgia really handily. They beat Alabama in a close battle in Florida. Um you know they they beat Texas on the road. You know I think the LSU has a lot of things, but what I wish the committee would have done is said LSU quit scheduling these FS uh, FCS teams. We're gonna put you two because of that alone. That's the yeah. only reason. Just send a message to the SEC that you're tired of this bullshit. Because with the resume so closely, the only major difference, in my opinion is that and that's what i really wish the committee would have done i think that could have done a lot for football or you could have said hey sec start playing nine games too that would have been fine with me but it's just it i think both teams deserve it this is gonna be a fun playoff boys this yeah. is gonna be a fun playoff here here's my argument for you though tyler you talk about lsu and beating texas on the road that's fine and dandy but what's the better win beating a cincinnati team by 40 points 
that was it turns out to be a really good team, a top twenty five team, or beating a Texas team who ended up being what a six and six team. It's Cincinnati, but I mean I'm not going to debate you there. Okay, I mean, it's then. So, so OSU has got the better resume on the out of conference. The, the conference, I mean, you talked about it. They, I, I know Jonathan Vilma talked about, well, Ohio State's defense didn't look so good in the last three or four weeks. Yeah, because they were playing top 10 teams or top 15 teams. LSU was playing shit teams for two of the last three weeks. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think it was stupid to, to bump LSU ahead of Ohio State. Yeah, I, I would have had Ohio State number one. I thought that they were much better from start to finish the season. And if they want to be docked for one half of football this year, that's kind of bullshit because LSU, they were in some dog fights themselves this year. You know, it just happened to be, you know, recency bias where they get the benefit of the doubt because they beat up Georgia, who I'm, I'm with you, Derek. I don't think Georgia's that good. I think they'd get killed by Wisconsin. Uh, what, T- Tyler, you disagree? I mean, okay, so Georgia, okay, so if you say Georgia's not good, then you say Notre Dame's not good. And you're saying saying Florida's not good. Okay. Florida was like a, what, three-loss team? I think two-loss team. But, I mean, they they were ahead of Alabama at the end of the year. I mean, I I guess I, I just don't know. I mean, I get they had a really bad loss, but to say Georgia wasn't a good team... I don't know. I'm not buying it. I think Georgia was. I'm a not good saying team. they weren't a good team, but I think they were highly overranked. Yeah, well, they, yeah. they I mean, were a number it, four it, team. No, no. Well, I mean, they were a number four team because they, they were the SEC. At, going into that game, going into that game, they had a damn good resume. Yeah, because they beat Notre Dame, who really uh, you talk about them, but where did they end up? They weren't that great. But they had, when they ended up with three losses. I mean, hey. The only thing that uh, I will say about this is this year proves why four teams is the correct answer for a, the college football playoff. There's only four teams deserving. I mean, if, if you were to stretch it out to anywhere past that, then it gets really complicated. I mean, four is the right number. Uh, unless you just want to get rid of conference championships. If you do that, okay. Then fine, I'm all I'm about fine with that. Get rid of conference championships, go to eight but, teams. But this year, I'm absolutely fine with this that. This year, with conference championships, four teams is the correct answer. And, and let me tell you why you need to get rid of these conference championships at this point, because they don't mean shit. Because everybody and their dog says, "Well, if Ohio State loses to Wisconsin, they're still in because they're a one-loss team. And they have a better resume than all the other one-loss teams. If LSU loses to Georgia, you're going to put Georgia and LSU in the playoff because they're two SEC teams and they have good resumes." Blah blah. blah. So if if you can lose a conference championship game and still get in the playoff, then there's no point in playing them. Exactly. Exactly. I hope they look at that uh, in the future, but. Too much money involved in the conference championships, and it's too big of a party day. I tell you what, I had a, a huge one-man party at my house on Saturday. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun watching all those games. Fun games, man. I loved it. All right. Uh, we got one last Games of the Week segment. This is going to be your tiebreaker but since you guys uh, tied. Uh, we're going to go against the spread here. Army at Navy, minus 10. Tyler. I'm going to go Navy. I mean, I think Navy is a far better team. 
Um, they're one of the, you know, they're top 25 in the country. I think that that is a layup. And I'm anxious to hear the Army veteran, Z, I guess I'll say Z at the end, defend what they're going to pick on this Saturday. Derek? Well, Tyler, it seems like we're going to be tied because I can't go with Army this week. <laughs> I can't do it. Look, our Army last year was such a phenomenal team. They were such a great story. And I don't know what happened this year, but they just kind of fell apart. They've struggled mightily with the exception of playing Michigan. And ever since Michigan, they've just kind of been a mediocre team. Uh, I, I think Navy wins big. I, I think if we had best bet segment, I'd probably put put Navy as my best bet if, if there was more games. But I still think I'll probably be betting Navy. Yeah, yeah, me too. You know, Derek, both of us were in the Army, but you know what? I'm with you, man. I'm Navy. I, I, I love Navy at minus 10. I'm I just don't know how Army stays with them. Damn Seaman. <laughs> Seaman has w- ruined more blue so, dresses. So this, se- this segment was a complete waste of time this week. So we'll oh, do the real. T- thought- we'll do the real. We'll do the real tiebreaker for the national championship. Okay. Yeah. T- Tyler's gonna like make something up like he did last year to win. To no, win no, a This is exactly what we did last year. We said, "Oh, let's pick this game for it," and anyway, let's move on. All right, last call, guys. Uh, no topics is off limits. Last call to you, Tyler. My last call goes out to the Lane Gain. Lane Kiffin is once again a head coach of a Power 5 school. He is the new head coach of Ole Miss. I, I don't know how good a hire he is. I think Lane Kiffin is actually a pretty good coach. Um, he is very easily hateable. Um I mean, his face really looks fucking wicked nowadays. But, <laughs> but I, I, I really, really can't wait for the first Alabama Ole Miss game because I really think that he's going to bring that team out in full force. So um, I, I think it's a good hire by Ole Miss, but I think that's probably been the biggest hire so far in the coaching carousel. Derek, thoughts on Lane Kiffin? Well, he's no Jeff Brom when it comes to faces. That's for sure. <laughs> Dang. I, oh, I, I kid, I kid. <laughs> Jeff Brom's got an alien growing out of his neck. But at the end of the day, uh, you know what? I I, I I like Lane Kiffin. I I didn't like him at USC. I didn't like the way he left Tennessee. Uh, I think he's paid his dues, though. I think, I think he's a good coach. Uh, but I'm not sure that Ole Miss is a good hire for him. I, I'm just not convinced that that's a great school for him to try and prove that he's worth his weight in gold, I guess. I'll say this thing about uh, Lane Kiffin. He is a great Twitter follow. I mean, he is fun on Twitter. That dude, he cracks more jokes. He's like a laid-back, funny guy. Did you see uh, – when he was uh, in that crowd, that video going around, he's in the crowd holding the baby. He hands the baby back to the dad, and the dad says, "Get you a burner phone, all right." <laughs> <laughs> that was that was so classic. Hey, I'll be rooting for Lane Kiffin. That'll be the only SEC team that I'll root for. Just just because I think Lane Kiffin's uh, he's. He's an entertaining guy. High energy. And, well, his dad coached at Nebraska. It's hard. It's yeah. kind of hard to root against the guy. 
little bit. This, he was easy not, to root this, against at USC and Tennessee. God, well, you get, I, Tyler's right. He's punchable. I wouldn't say Tennessee. I, I, USC was easy to root against. I'll tell you and what, And we though. still use the Lane Kiffin verb yeah. when somebody gets fired. Because nobody's gotten done wrong more than he did at USC. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, guys. If, you, if, if the listeners want to do themselves a favor, check out the Lane Kiffin spoof on Tosh.0. Because I watch that thing about once a month, both of them, and they crack me up. It is brilliant. It is brilliant. <laughs> that is funny stuff right there. Daniel Tosh does an excellent Lane Kiffin. <laughs> they look a little bit like. They I do. Mean, they, used to look, they used to look a little bit like. Yeah, Lane now Kiffin's that, that head boy face. <laughs> His head's just got so huge. I don't know. It, it keeps growing. It's like a size eight and a half hat, I think. All right, Derek, we got to move this along. Last call to you, bud. All right. So, well, there were a couple transfers that were announced today. Uh, Isaiah Stalbert, uh, walk-on freshman. Uh, he's probably the bigger of the two. The other one is uh, drama queen himself, uh, Andrew Bunch, who likes to put himself in the transfer portal every year. So, we'll see if he goes this time. And if he does, maybe I'll wish him good luck. <laughs> That's pretty harsh, Derek. I mean, come on. You can't fault Andrew Bunch just for wanting to play. I mean, that, that that's what he wants to do. He, he just played. wants to play somewhere. Yeah, I guess he, he did. He played. I guess he did, but it, it's not looking. His future's not bright at Nebraska. I hope, I wish he should have left after last year. He should have. And I would not have faulted him last year, but the, I'm leaving. I'm coming back, and now I'm leaving again. Yeah, get out of here. I'm tired of your shit. Go away. Well, I will say Isaiah Stalbert. I mean, I tell you what, that's kind of disappointing that he's leaving. Uh, I think he had a great future as a Husker. I can't believe, you know, as he played in 12 games in special teams this year. I mean, that's a lot of games, and he was a go-getter out there. I thought he might have been a candidate for uh, a scholarship down the road. I mean, just, God, he's yeah, he, he too deep. He was no deep. Eli Sullivan. Well, you know what, I mean. The coaching staff—they're out recruiting and bringing in JUCO guys. You know, maybe you maybe you should just reward one of the guys that's already on the team playing his ass off. He's not an unknown commodity, right? I mean, give him a scholarship. I think he's going to get a scholarship. Justin, you elsewhere. would do it. Well, no, I shouldn't say. You're always the walk-on guy. Yeah, yeah. But you've shit on walk-ons before, talking about well, we got a walk-on starting. God dang, we can't get no talent in here. I've heard you say I kind of go that route before too. So I mean, you, I mean, I don't know. No, I mean, but, but reward, reward and, the and guy. There, there's much worse people that could have, could have left at the end of the day. Well, let's let's, let's hope that uh, it doesn't continue. Thoughts, Tyler? I, I will tell you this. Andrew Bunch, while he had no chance of making the two or three deep roster, I think that in a different world, Andrew Bunch would have been a really good backup quarterback for the Huskers. And... You know, it did pan out that way for him. Um, but, you know, Derek, I'm not going to wish him the hard wishes you wished him and call him a crybaby because I do think that, you know, he could be a good backup quarterback for a lot of teams in this country. And if he wants to go to play at South Dakota, he could be a good starter for them. I don't want to face – I'll tell you this much. I don't want to face him next year. If he went South Dakota so. State, yeah. Yeah, no, hell no, don't go there. I don't want to face him. He, I mean, again, I, th- I don't think he's a scrub. So, but well, I'd let him run the are... ball because all he does is fumble it when he runs it. So, <laughs> well, that's Jeez, true. Dude, well, you're harsh, then, uh, again, man. Uh, again, 
he isn't cracking the three deep on this team. Probably not cracking the four deep when Logan gets in the town. So it's probably for the best in his career to go at least try to be a backup somewhere. Yeah. All right, my last call goes out to Brett Maher, kicker at Dallas. Now, 2019 was a terrible year for uh, Husker kickers, p- current and past, man. He, he missed 10 field goals this year for the Cowboys. That was the most misses in a season in the last four years of the NFL. Knocking down some 60-yarders, but can't make the easy ones. Too many misses, man. You can't get paid if you're missing field goals in the NFL. So, uh, too bad for him. Uh, The timing, you know, the writing was on the wall with that one, though. Tyler, thoughts? Well, I'll tell you what. One of the things about him that's special is that after he got cut today, he went and visited some sick kids at a hospital down in Dallas. Um, He's a class act. He'll get another shot in the NFL. I guarantee it. Um, And if not, maybe he has some years of eligibility. Can we check that? Could we put him in like a Barrett Pickering type outfit and put him out there? Yeah, maybe. Like, I mean, I'd take him back in Nebraska any day. Tyler, no, I thought that story. I, I, I thought huh? that story was he was visiting kids in the hospital and no, then got I, back and then got cut. I think it was the opposite. I think he uh, got cut and then visited. Okay. I don't know if you're wrong, but <laughs> Derek thoughts. Yeah, it's a wild world. You talk about him making 60-yard field goals. He went from hero to zero all in a matter of, like, six games. The guy was their hero. Like, oh, my God, Mars the best kicker ever. He's kicking 60-yard field goals. To uh, shit. Where's, yeah. Which side am I supposed to be kicking towards? Yeah. I, I felt bad, you know. I felt bad for the guy because just – you could just tell the look on his face, like in that Bears it's game. Rough. I was like – he was like, uh-oh. He goes, I'm cut. <laughs> but it couldn't happen to a better team. So yeah, yeah, he de- he deserves much much better. This is probably a blessing in disguise. Cause I guarantee you, the Bears will go after him because they ain't got no kicker. Yeah. I'll take him in Atlanta. Yeah. Well, hopefully he uh, lands somewhere because uh, he's definitely talented. He just needs to get more consistent. All right, guys, we went long tonight. Fun episode as always. Uh, but we got to get out of here. Special thanks to Connor Russell for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and now BigHeadsMedia.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back next week. See you then. And as always, go Big Red. Third of the night.